Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast exists because of the paid members at DecodingTV.com. Currently on Decoding TV, we are covering shows such as Andor, but also She-Hulk Attorney at Law, uh, as well as The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Over on A Cast of Kings podcast, we're covering House of the Dragon and wrapping up our coverage of season one with Kim Renfro. If you want to support shows like this one, become a paid member at DecodingTV.com. And you will get access to early episodes, ad-free episodes, and exclusive bonuses we'll make just for you. Thanks to everyone at DecodingTV.com that makes this podcast possible. Freedom, independence, justice. We should just submit and be thankful. Just take what we're given. Do I look thankful to you? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I am David Chen. And I'm Patrick Willems. On today's episode of Decoding TV, we're going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 6 of Andor, entitled The Eye. Uh, Andor, of course, streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. But you know what, Patrick Willems, uh, this episode's entitled The Eye. It is the second episode of television I've seen on a prestige TV show this week entitled The Eye. Season 1, Episode 7 of The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, also called The Eye. Huh. People just love that title, The Eye. They're just like, this is amazing. Eyes are just all the rage in TV right now. Yes. uh, I imagine the uh, people who uh, wrote the title for these episodes kind of leaning back Antonio Banderas style in that gif and just being super happy with, oh, the eye, such a beautiful poetic title. Unfortunately, someone else already thought of it. So, And this probably happened like more than a year ago because the post-production timeline on these shows (laughs) is so absurdly long. Indeed, indeed. But anyway, we're going to be discussing, spoiling, recapping, reviewing Season 1, Episode 6 of Andor the Eye. We'll not be spoiling anything from the future. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's w- what the plan is for today's episode of the podcast. You can find more episodes of the show at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. And find us on TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube at Decoding TV. I also want to be clear, we will not be spoiling uh, the Rings of Power episode called The Eye, because I haven't seen that. Mm, Uh, And I don't want to get spoiled, because at some point, I will catch up on that show. (laughs) All right. Well, you've heard it here first, folks. Uh, Before we get to this week's episode, uh, let's get to a message we got from David over on YouTube. Uh, Of course, you can always comment on YouTube. Write to us at decodingtv at gmail.com. David writes... Uh, in reference to a topic we discussed last week about uh, the extended universe and canon and what what is uh, technically counts as Star Wars canon. Versus uh, legends. Yeah. Uh, legends, exactly. Uh, David writes, on the subject of legends versus canon, for all the many, many, many stories in the extended universe, the origins of the Rebel Alliance were, to my knowledge, never explored very deeply. It was always just assumed that it was all sort of organized by, by Mon Mothma and Bail Organa, and that was it. In the new canon, especially with things like Star Wars Rebels, we learned that the Rebel Alliance was, in fact, 
an alliance of many different rebellions that had sprung up organically on various worlds oppressed by the Empire. The fully organized rebel alliance we see in Rogue One and the original trilogy had really only existed in that form for about three years. So when it comes to Dedra Miro's too random to be random comment, she's observing the spark of the rebellion, even if there isn't yet an actual unified organization behind it, end quote. Uh, so anyway, it's interesting to kind of reflect on like how, if I understand this comment correctly, uh, fully depicting the origins of the rebellion was is a relatively like recent development in Star Wars history. Is that something that? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny. It makes me wonder if again, like I said before, I am not an expert on the expanded universe. Uh, I've I, I I've read almost none of those books and comics. It was never a thing I was especially interested in. But I do wonder, especially like in the nineties, um, if George Lucas kind of had that because, and to, to be clear. George Lucas did not like read and and was not really involved in the majority of the expanded universe, which is why some things in like movies he made uh, actively like contradict it because it, there's just so much of it. But I I wonder if in the '90s uh, he kind of had the pre original trilogy like a uh, era of like the 30 years leading up to A New Hope, like kind of blocked off like. Don't don't touch this. Don't don't mess around in here because I'm making the prequels and uh, this is my area. So just just go make up a bunch of wacky nonsense that happens after uh-huh. Return of the Jedi. Drop a moon on Chewie, whatever. Just uh, this like this like 30, 40 years. This is my zone mm-hmm. because it is funny. You'd think like um I mean, as we're seeing on the show and or um this is a pretty uh, fertile ground for stories yeah 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 uh he said don't mess with the origins and the the pre episode four stuff because one day there's going to be a guy named tony gilroy he's amazing you're gonna he's gonna make something called michael clayton it's gonna blow everyone away you know like uh no he didn't know that at the time but anyway yes uh so we're really grateful to have stories such as this one uh okay before we get to this week's episode patrick are there more corrections? Did we get more stuff wrong? Did I mispronounce uh, the name of a, a planet? Undoubtedly, but we're not going to get into it this week. We're just going to dive straight into the episode. And you know what? Um, I think to dive into this episode, we should listen to what we predicted might happen in this week's episode from last week. All right. So here is uh, – I, I asked you to predict how many people are going to die. What's going to happen? Here is a clip from last week's episode where you – predicted you and i both predicted what was going to happen this week here, here we go we're going to play the clip right now any guesses you know, predictions on how many people will die next episode how many people um i feel like saying like three is an easy number <laughs> yeah. um, i will say if anyone dies nemec right it's i'm not feeling good about nemec yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, mostly because the, the, the that's idealist. the one that, right, yeah. right. Uh, which one is going to hurt the most? Oh, which one oh. is going to motivate Andor the most to become who we know in Rogue One? Right? So. Yeah. But yeah, I, who knows? Yeah, maybe maybe it'll be a situation where the heist goes uh, perfectly, and um, I don't know, and then Vel betrays them and tries yeah, to steal like all the, the money for herself. It turns out she's actually working with the Empire. That would, um, that would be a thing that could be a thing that happens. Who knows? Maybe Darth Vader will show up and, and swipe it all and bring it back to Mustafar so he can sleep on a big pile of money. Well, Patrick, you got that partially correct. I we know. <laughs> it, wa- it wasn't Darth Vader. It was Sheev Palpatine who showed mm-hmm. up and stole all the money for himself. Somehow Sheev survived through this whole thing. <gasps> he does that. <laughs> Somehow he's alive. 
Um, no, uh, but uh, we obviously nailed the whole Nemec dying. You know, that was a thing that happened. Not in the way that I thought he would die. Uh, no, but yeah, that I, I will say that was the thing. He was yeah. the one guy we both agreed was like, yeah, he's he he's toast. Yeah. Um, and yet the way he his death ended up not not feeling predictable ended up yes. being so much more powerful yeah. and suspenseful Poignant. and and, Poignant. and yeah and uh, then I, I mean look this show even when we kind of have a sense of where it might go it's it constantly surprises me let's talk about overall thoughts in this episode patrick willems what do you think of season one episode six of andor uh david chen i thought it ruled um, I That's thought technical assessment. Yes. Uh, uh, after I'm uh, putting my many years of, uh, of like film studies to, to, to work here. And my, my academic opinion is that this episode was, uh, freaking terrific. Uh, good, good television. No, I mean, I mean, yes, it, uh, it was really good, but we've watching this, th- this episode, I'm just like, oh, this isn't just like, easily the best disney plus star wars show uh or or, or even easily i think the bar there is relatively low in my personal opinion it isn't even just easily the best star wars thing since the last jedi it's just i'm just like this is one of my favorite tv shows of the year Mm -hmm. which is a thing Mm -hmm. i have not said about anything that has aired on disney plus yeah um, this is just, this is extremely good. It is, it feels wild that this is Star Wars because I feel like Star Wars, sin- everything since The Last Jedi has mostly been a matter of like feeding us like, you know, it's, it's like, oh, here's, here's like, just like, 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 listen to like a greatest hits collection. Like, here's the stuff you're familiar with. Here's the, here's like characters, you know, doing the, the stuff you expect to make you feel kind of good. And, um, and I, I'd like forgotten that Star Wars could be like gripping, emotional, like genuinely exciting television, not exciting in the way of like, ooh, I wonder what cameo we're going to see this week. Um, but like, like when it's to get into the climactic action sequence, when you know, mm-hmm. with like ships like ch- outrunning each other and trying to escape uh, a meteor shower, I'm like, I can't, I can't believe how suspenseful this is. This is yeah. really, really good. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is the best episode of the show yet. Uh, I, 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 at this point, halfway into the season, I'm like, I full on love this show. Uh, yes. I am so. I'm I'm so glad that I that I accepted your offer to podcast about it because yes. going into it, you know, we we were like, who knows? Yeah. We hope it's good. And now I'm like, man, I th- I picked a good one. And by that yeah. I mean you picked a good one to ask me to join you on. <laughs> so um, yes, yeah. a big big thumbs up from me. Plus one to everything you said. This episode was incredible. It was an all timer. One of my favorite episodes of TV ever, I think. Not, not even just this year, not even just of Star Wars. Like, it was spectacular. And I tweeted this morning about how dazzled I was by this episode. I'm not, I'm not joking, Patrick. I, I literally just finished watching it. Like, we hop on, uh, you know, right after we, we watch it in the morning and then we record this episode, uh, and decodingtv.com paid members get it early, um, our reactions early. And, 
so I, I'm fresh off of watching it. Uh, tears came to my eyes. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. Like I, I had tears come to my eyes when, like, when they're when Andor's like flying into the eye. It, it's so beautiful, uh, and also as you said, suspenseful and like gripping. And I'm like on the edge of my seat as to what, like, anything could happen. Like any one of these characters could die, as the episode has demonstrated. Other than Andor, of course. And I was so dazzled by this episode. It, it's just this incredible piece of work. Um, it, it's, it's it, everything you want in a good heist episode, basically. Right. Uh, and after two episodes of buildup, it was like, this thing had better deliver and it delivered. Like it, it had a high bar and it really delivered. There's like so many amazing moments and, um, so, so like a lot of unpredictable choices. Like I did not, we obviously did not predict like this, these would be the characters that would survive at the end and how certainly we couldn't have predicted how they would survive. All the decisions feel organic. They all feel like, Oh, that makes sense. Like that. I buy that based on what we've seen in the show. Um, so I, I loved it. I just, I thought it was so, so good. And somebody tweeted in response to my tweet this morning. They basically said, well, I, I'm going to hold out, you know, I'm going to hold out and see like how, like a lot of people loved the first two episodes of Obi-Wan too. And I'm going to hold I, out and see how Andor plays out. Here's the thing. I, I got the yeah. same thing. I, I also tweeted about how good it is. And I got yeah. all these people being like, yeah, but is it really good? Because if, uh, Star I, Wars has li- li- like, I don't want to watch another Star Wars thing because I've been let down before. I'm like, dude, I, I didn't love the other stuff either. Like I'm on the <laughs> same page and I'm telling you this is great. Like what more do you want? If there were if they had just released a 90 minute film that was these last three episodes like episodes 4 5 and 6 that would have been like imagine if like nothing else came out it was just like this andor movie hits here's a little andor prequel that hits uh Disney plus and that was it like you and I would be super happy with that I would, we'd be like we watched it it's like hey that was a really cool story cool story bro you know like That'd be really well done. It is worth it just to get, even if it, it completely craps the bed from this point forward, which I don't think it will, but even if it goes bad from this point forward, it's, it's still worth watching through episode six. That, that's how good it was. That's how good it was. Okay. I, I mean, this <laughs> could have been a season finale. Yeah. And, and I would be fully satisfied. If yes. I would be like, man, terrific. Be like, okay, great. We got six yeah. great episodes of Andor. This is amazing. Because also like the way this ends, like, I mean, yeah. and, I mean, we're already spoiling stuff. Yeah, so, like, yeah. but like, the I genuinely have. Okay, you mentioned early in the episode, like, we're not going to spoil anything in future episodes. I not only do I not know what happens in future episodes, I can't even begin to imagine because <laughs> the way this ends on this this great shot, just pulling back from from Stellan Skarsgård, yeah. Luthen Rail, just in his back room, just laughing like this like relieved laughter like oh my god it worked we did it this is like this you know it looks like this rebellion is actually like moving forward and might like turn into something and then it just it ends uh and i'm just like i have zero idea where the story is going from here where Andor is even headed like what planet and uh and if that were just if i didn't get any more Andor for the next year and or, a half. Or, or forever. Or forever. Like, I'm not saying I, I'm not looking forward to more Andor because oh. I'm really psyched for more Andor. But, like, if this is where it ended, it would be like, that was worth it. That was worth the whole journey for me. I mean, I feel spoiled that we get yes. six more yes. of these. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's get into the episode. 
we're we're basically going to divide this into kind of three sections, right? Uh, there's the pre heist, and then there's the heist, and then there's like a few things that happen post the heist. Okay, so pre heist, uh, we are introduced to several more characters. And uh, the whole time I'm wondering, like, what, how, why are we being introduced to these characters? And then, of course, they play a key role in the heist itself. Eddie, it um, is. I, I know we've already talked about how Tony Gilroy has mentioned that there's like 197 speaking roles in this mm-hmm. season or something like that. But it is wild. How how many characters keep getting introduced in like every single episode? Yeah. And then I'm just like. And, and right, 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 right. When you think it's like, don't we have enough people here on Aldani? And then it's like, ah, n- nope. These are pretty compelling people too. Oh, oh, I, I, I see, I see why you introduced them. Yep, yep. kind of necessary. Yeah, <laughs> every character is like necessary for the plot in some way, you know. And it's great. So yeah, we meet this character named uh, Jay Hold, uh, who is played by Stanley Townsend, and he is Lieutenant Gorn's boss. Uh, and he also has a boss named Colonel Pettigar. And the idea is that Colonel Pettigar is visiting the base, uh, and J-Hold needs to impress him uh, and kind of come off well so that, you know, they can get off this stinking planet, as he said to, as J-Hold says to his wife, who also gets a name, uh, a named role. Robota, I believe is her name. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and their son. Yeah. Like, yeah. We meet a whole new family of characters <laughs> yeah, right yeah. here, and and uh, and right away they establish the dynamics like really, really clearly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got Jay Hold there struggling to put on his belt for his kind of like official kind of ceremonial uniform, and his family's getting all dressed up, and like his son is miserable. He feels sick. Uh, <laughs> his dad has no sympathy. He's just like, look. You've, you've got to present yourself well. You've got to come to this event because if this goes well, we can finally get off of this dumb, miserable, like, backwoods planet we've been assigned to. Yeah. It's interesting, the idea that you, you would never think of it or not never think of it. Like, probably you thought of it. But this idea of, like, that there's some assignments for the Empire that are more desirable than the others, right? And I'll say Aldani, as it's been depicted, I can understand why people would not want to work there. <laughs> No, it's incredibly beautiful, but it seems gray all the time. I don't think we've seen the sun a single time. Maybe right. a little bit, you know, um, during one of the early scenes. And it's also uh, just mountains around. It's right. not like there's like a, you know, a there's not like thriving. a city or yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And um, and again, I think I was wondering, um, and I'm sure in peripheral Star Wars stuff, there's examples of this, but have we met? family members of of uh imperial officers before mm, i'm not sure we've obviously met um, on mothma's family oh yes but, but like this is just an m like an M a regular like empire guy right. like in the military and here his he we've got like his wife and his son and like he has a home life yeah and i'm i'm trying i like we usually point to uh, Krennic, uh, Ben Mendelsohn from Rogue One, as like yeah. the most kind of like normal guy imperial <laughs> uh-huh. person before, because usually you know they're usually you know, imperial officers are just these like like slimy like like boot licking like Nazi type guys who you can't imagine they have any life uh, lives outside of work, and here, you know. It's a guy, and he's 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 got a kid, and uh, he's telling to like get dressed up and and stop complaining. And so it's it, it again. We've said this in every single episode, but I love I, 
I love seeing this like this new perspective on the empire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, his wife kind of takes a dig at him. He's like, he's like, yeah, this these clothes are all compressed, and she says, perhaps it is you who has expanded. And it's like she gets a little dig in him, and it's like, hey, Robota, go easy on him. He's he's having a challenging day. It's about to get harder. Okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> I, I think she deserves to get that little dig at him. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we do see him uh, kind of talk very condescendingly about the Donnies to his boss, Colonel Pettigar, right? And he's yep. also, I'd like to point out, uh, a, a member of the Empire, mm. which okay. uh, are bad guys. Yeah. Okay. I see. So that's that's another reason why uh, we should look down. We should not be uh, on his side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting – What's interesting about introducing Pedagar as a character who is in who is in and or the series for about like ten minutes total of screen time, I think, uh, before he's unceremoniously killed off, is uh, this idea that the show is really going heavy with that it's middle managers you need to please all way all the way down, basically, like no matter where you are. At the Empire. Even Darth Vader had like bosses, basically, right? So yeah. everyone needs to kind of please the next person up the line. Gorn needs to make sure uh Jay Hold is happy. Jay Hold needs to make sure Colonel Pettigar is happy and so on and so forth. That's just the way it is. That's just the way life is in the Empire and also in the world, uh, in the universe. So. Yeah. Also, the more of these people that, that that we meet, uh, I do sometimes think, man, if these guys ever meet Darth Vader, they must think he's so weird. <laughs> Yes. Like like yeah. Darth Vader exists in a totally different world. Like, like these are people who who have never dealt with like Jedi uh, uh-huh. yeah, uh yeah, yeah, at, yeah. at all. Who've probably never seen a lightsaber. Yeah. And um uh yeah, and I and I will say it is as as we learn a little bit like like around the middle of the episode, it's very important that Jay Hold's family uh is there. They they serve an important role. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh but uh, Patrick, I, you know, I think early on in this podcast, I, I believe it was with our Andor episodes, um, I, I was noting, like, what are some ways of getting good exposition out there? And I noted, like, having a toast uh, is a good way of, like, having someone describe someone's life. Um, well, now we learn another good way of getting exposition out there, Patrick. Uh, you're giving a tour to somebody who's your superior, and therefore you need to summarize everything that's going on with the world, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we used to have thousands of Donnie show up for the eye, but now it's just sixty, and uh, and they're talking so blithely about basically like eradicating their entire way of life. And sure, it's a sacred mountain, but blah blah blah. It's, I think, clearly a uh, a sharp dig against uh, colonists, you know, imperial forces, uh, and America, like how America treats indigenous people so carelessly and blithely, and. Um, it, it it holds a, a mirror up to the country, basically. It does. Uh, I think this, this sequence does. But yeah, we, we do learn a lot about the the Donnie's history, and um, we see them kind of walking, al- you know, along the path to get to the garrison. Spectacular kind of views of them walking and, and arriving. So, oh, yeah. uh, and I mean, the whole episode looks incredible. There's so many amazing visuals in the episode. The, um, this looks. The, so Vel good. and Cinta, Vel and Cinta, like going underwater to the dam, basically, and when well, you can uh, see the, f- the the very first like meteors from from the the eye yeah. going overhead and like illuminating them, 
it and is. it's cool. It's cool that they thought of that. They, they, oh yeah, of course, something like that wouldn't necessarily just happen all at once. You'd get like little traces before it starts to happen, right? Exactly. So. I mean, I think we'll talk more about visuals as this goes on. But this is this is an episode where you. It is funny that considering that that this almost, if you step back and just like look at like the lineup of the Disney Plus live action Star Wars shows. This is the one that almost feels like the kind of like it would be considered the kind of like cheap, like tacked on, like afterthought one. It's like, oh man, we've got a Boba Fett show. Uh, we've got these shows by like John Favreau. Oh, we, we you know we've got an Obi Wan Kenobi show, and then I don't know. There's like the dude from Ro- who got killed in Rogue One. He's got a little <laughs> prequel show too, and and like I, I know we've talked about how this is the first of the shows that's that's not shot on uh the volume the ILM stagecraft like i mean like genuinely very impressive like uh like LCD screens that you know create these uh the, yeah. these backgrounds and these sets but this episode in particular looks so much bigger and so much more expensive than yeah. any of the other shows the, the stuff that that it gets into like later on but it also it, it feels bigger and more expensive but also like a lot of the episode it's still like you know it's like handheld camera work it feel like i could not see the seams in almost any shots yeah. of like yeah, yeah. okay this is like this is what's real or like the, oh this is like a fully animated shot or whatever it's uh it feels like everything feels so tactile and yeah. even like you know when we see uh tie fighters and though and and those like uh, like like the pilots like hopping into those as as the 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 meteor shower is like coming down in the background i'm just like well, we we've never really seen tie fighters in this way before everything looks incredible and uh so I, I, a huge shout out to Susanna White um who just like knocks us out of the park. This yeah, is she, she directed the episode. Yeah, and it, she directed it the, this whole set of three. This whole set of three. And what I love about the look of it too is you really get a good sense of the geography of the location. Like you, you sense like oh they're they're going in through the back and then they need to fly out this way. And uh, there's lots of establishing shots. One of my favorite establishing shots is. There's like a drone or helicopter shot of like these three soldiers running along the dam. And it's like, that looks like a real place. You know, that looks like a real location, what they're doing. And, okay. Yeah. I, I really, really hope that after the season of Andor, they do what they've been doing with the other, uh, Disney plus Star Wars shows and have mm-hmm. like, a, like a making of special. Yeah. Because I am dying to know, uh, like, where they shot this i i know a lot of i i believe it's like the scottish highlands are like yes. uh like like doubled for a lot of just uh you know the the natural environments but the garrison it it looks it it looks almost as if there was like an existing structure there like a dam yeah. and then yeah. they like built onto it because there are no like really obvious green screen shots you've got like it's like oh no this is just it looks just like a real location it is shot like a real location it it is we they establish the geography of it so clearly and we see it from so many different angles that it's like oh right here's the top of it here's the entrances there's there's the tower here's how everything connects here's how they get around we get it all as if it were just a real place that they were filming at and it is genuinely very impressive I agree. 
it it looks amazing. Okay, what else happens in the pre heist section? Uh, we get some more kind of hints about like what Vel's role is. They they she she kind of goes into the base with Cinta, and uh, they place like a I think a signal jammer right uh, near the communications that they then activate later on. Yes, uh, and we also get at the beginning we get uh, a little more chat with mm-hmm. uh, with Nemec and Cassian uh, because you know. Uh, Nemec, the, you know, being, being kind of new to, uh, like the act, like getting heisting. his hands dirty to heisting. Yeah. Um, he, he couldn't sleep the night before while, yeah. you know, Cassian is like, you know, it, it, it's like a job for him. He's, yeah. Yeah. uh, he, he like, you know, he knows how to handle this. And again, you get, you get more of Nemec being like the true believer, his yeah. manifesto, his philosophy about, you know, just a, about the empire and all of that. Yeah, and uh, Andor says to him, "You'll be fine. You'll sleep when it's done." And then when I heard that, I'm like, "Does he mean sleep, sleep, like dead sleep?" Which uh, turns out was what he meant. Yeah, we we also learn that Taraman used to be a stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, which you know explains why he's so good at kind of like leading them when they're practicing their drills. Yeah. He he's like very familiar with like what the protocols are basically. Exactly. Right? So, and Cinta, yeah. we learned that uh who who is described as being like uh the toughest like, of like, them. Yeah. Exactly that her whole family was killed by stormtroopers. Yeah. Um I I'm really I mean I like all of these characters. Cinta I'm very I'm still very interested in because we've kind of spent the least amount of time with her. Uh, there is, we, we get some very nice, like, quiet moments in this episode, like, with her and Vel, uh, and then, of course, at the end, she stays on Aldani. Uh, she's there when the rest of them are either dead or gone, and so I, I wonder, what's she up to now? Yeah, that was an open question for me, because the thing is, she joins the Imperial Guards and also the Donnies as they're watching the Eye. She kind of walks down there. Um, but everyone's already seen her face. Like they know that she is uh, a criminal. Um, and so I was a little surprised that she went down there in an imperial outfit. I thought she might change and try to like blend in with the Donnies and become part of the, you know, or, or maybe that she was a Donnie and that was going to be her story. But maybe. she goes down there in the imperial outfit, if I recall correctly. So that yep. was kind of like, huh, I'm kind of curious how that's going to end up. But anyway. Uh, okay. Anything else in the pre heist section before we get to the, heist itself i do want to say there was a really amazing shot of this security guard kind of doing his thing and then you see vel like running away in the background looking very suspicious and i was like oh what an oblivious security guard that guy's completely incompetent he has no idea what's going on even around him uh i had that thought come into my head which might be a thought that is subverted later on in the episode um, yeah. yeah, I I mean in the pre high stuff we get like the 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 main team of yeah. you know Cassian, Terramen, uh, Skeen, and Nemec. Uh, at, they're like at first dressed as Donnies with like the robes, and those yeah. are over than their Imperial uniforms, yeah. and they just come in as like a, just another squad, uh, just sort of escorting the Donnies in, and like they've got it all worked out pretty well uh, with Gorn especially, um, kind of like ordering them around, telling them where to go. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I really liked, I don't know if, if this is getting, I mean, I guess this is, this is technically before, um, 
the uh the imperial officers are like alerted to the heist uh or uh, until they've revealed themselves but i really like all the stuff with vel and uh and cinta yeah uh, just following them in climbing up you know the the ladder on the outside of 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 this dam but especially there's this moment when uh the squad on the ground is yeah. like waiting and and like Terramen is there with the radio just just like you know just like constantly like bugging Val like are we are like yeah they, are, she, are we, he's asking her to make a go no go call because like at, at this point she could still abort and be like we're we're out I'm you know I I don't like the way this looks like let's abort right um, but he needs her to give the call and you can see the terror on her face like she's she's she never done up. anything like that yeah she's never yeah. done anything like this before. And it's a really amazing performance because I just bought completely that she would be having difficulty making the call, right? It's it's the kind of really human moment that we're just not really used to seeing in Star Wars uh, that someone on a mission just freezes and is like and, – and, and it reaches the moment of no return and yeah. then is just – you know, and, and hesitates because, you know, th- this – by saying this word, this might mean they all die, and uh, yeah. and obviously she she's you know she does say let's go, but but just just that little like twenty second yeah. moment there, I I thought was like it it's one of it it's representative of the kind of of care that is put into the show that that really does make it feel different than what we're used to. Agreed completely. So great work by Faye uh, Marseille, I believe is her name, who plays Vel. Uh, just a, a wonderful moment in the in the episode. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, before we move on, Patrick, you want to let people know where they can find more of your work on the internet if they're enjoying this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, if you want more of me talking, me, me discussing media in video form, you can uh, subscribe to youtube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. And, uh, and then you can get my, uh, my less intelligent, more tossed off brief thoughts uh, on social media. And uh, follow me on various places at Patrick H. Willems. All right. And of course, uh, if you're enjoying this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com, you may also enjoy A Cast of Kings at acastofkings.com, where we're covering House of the Dragon, uh, season one. And you can become a paid member of Decoding TV and support both podcasts over at decodingtv.com. Patrick, let's get to the heist itself. The heist begins. 
the the squad, the unit, uh, escorts Jay Holden and 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 Pedagar into the garrison, and the doors yeah. close, and we begin. All hell starts breaking loose. I felt a little, you know, I, my my sympathies was with um, was with Jay Holden a little bit because he's got a Boston press, you know. And I'm just like the whole time I was hoping. I hope I, the whole time I was hoping like I hope that. Pedagar leaves before this whole heist happens because, like, J-Hold must be so stressed. Because I've been in that situation so many times in my life where I, like, I have a presentation for a boss or something like that. Um, but of course, no, it, it takes place in the worst possible way imaginable for J-Hold's career, I think. Is, David, uh... <laughs> I, I, I like this recurring thing throughout mm-hmm. this podcast of you being like an imperial sympathizer mm-hmm, yeah, by being yeah. like, well, you know, Jay Hold and, uh, Cyril Karn, sure, they might, they, you know, they might be, uh, I, I, I guess members of They might of, like, be a- responsible for mass atrocities. You exactly. Know? They, they might members- have had mass atrocity here and there on their CV, but. Right. They're members of a fascist regime and stuff like that but you know they're having a tough time at work and uh we should we we should we should feel bad for him no i i, I mean i I'm, I'm i'm just teasing you but uh but i, I well yeah yeah i i know you're I teasing me and, and and i should be teased and that's fine i do think that the show tries to make you sympathize with all the characters though i do i it, do think that's something that the show like why, why introduce i guess you know introducing jay holt's family it serves a plot function in that what how else could they force jay holt to do anything right but I do think that ha- having him have a family uh, does make him more sympathetic. I will say this, too. It honestly reminded me I've, – I've been doing this uh, rewatch of a television show called Gangs of London. Uh, have you seen Gangs of London, Patrick Willems? I still haven't. I love Gareth Evans and I re- – I've been meaning to watch it. I, I just watched the trailer for season two and was like, man. Oh, did I you – should- so the, the Red Band trailer for season two is like what one the of the most – hardcore violent gory trailers i've ever seen in my life like, it's no one of the, the the most brutal like two minutes of anything i've ever seen <laughs> yeah it's it's incredible anyway you have to watch gangs of london season one yes okay? um but uh I'll, I'll i'll try to be very non-spoilery about what i'm about to say which is just that in gangs of london season one at one point you're introduced to an elite kill squad <laughs> right and the the show spends a lot of time like introducing you to, to these two members of the kill squad that are like husband and wife or like romantically involved and you kind of follow them through their daily routine. And then it's like, it's kind of this, this thing where you're like following them through the daily routine and then, Oh, they got a call. It's time to go kill squatting. And it's like, Oh, it's surprise. I thought they were just a normal couple, but they're actually part of a kill squad. Um, and uh, <laughs> in gangs of London, it is very, very over the top because. These characters in Gangs of London, the show, are like inflicting these horrible things on each other all the time. And then so to have like, to have it be like, oh, I love you, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now let's fuck, let's freaking like cut this guy's throat. It's just like really almost comical how discordant it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still appreciate it that they're like, hey, we're giving you a little bit of background for these characters that would otherwise be completely just kind of two dimensional, almost faceless characters, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's what, that's what Andor is so good at doing is, it gives you the texture of these people's lives a little bit before it stuffs out these people's lives. Like it, it lets you like have a little bit of detail before it kills people. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I, I totally agree. And also with like the imperial stuff, it, it, it feels like it's very interested in like, uh, the, the idea of like, what is it? The, the banality of evil, mm-hmm, banal, yeah. banal, yeah. Uh, banality of evil. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, about like, oh yeah, these are not all like, 
you know, monsters stomping around like like mur- like murdering people, not a bunch of like like inhuman, just like evil things. It's like, oh no, these are just uh people doing like like at what to them are just regular jobs. It and just in service of something that is that is evil, and um, because yeah. usually when in Star Wars, you know, when we see Imperial people, you know, it's like Tarkin or Tarkin, whatever, yeah. a guy who's or 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 Palpatine. It's just like, oh no, there's like there's no humanity. They're they're just they're just like evil space Nazis. Yeah. On last week's episode, I said that. Uh, we all know how heists are supposed to unfold, and I, I questioned whether Tony Gilroy would like completely upend what our notion of a heist would be in this episode, right? Um, I don't think he did that. I don't think he no. did that because what, what I said last week was uh, a, the heist is going to happen. They're they're largely going to get away with it. Something's going to go wrong during the heist. Maybe some people will die, but like they will eventually succeed. Like that is what a heist is. That's most ninety nine percent of heists are like that. And I was like, I wonder if he's going to subvert that formula. He didn't subvert the formula, but there were still many surprises. And they start with this opening scene of the heist where they get Pedagar and uh, Jay Hold and his family like they they uh, capture them. Pedagor whips out a gun and points it at Nemec, and he's like, let the boy go, which is like, again, Patrick, it's like, hey, this Pedagor guy, he might have uh, annihilated entire, he might have committed genocide at some point, but he's like, let the boy go. He's like, you can keep me, you know, but you can let the boy go. Also, a key thing we've got to mention here is that Jay holds like... I don't know, 10-year-old son has a gun pointed to his head. Yeah. And in Star Wars, we don't tend to see the good guys, the old galactic rebellion, yeah. point guns at children's heads. Like, if you walked into this scene and saw this, it would absolutely seem like the rebels were the bad guys. Yeah, totally. Uh, and he takes out a gun and he's like, let the boy go. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my, this is how Nemec's going to die. Yeah, this is how Nemec's thing. Like, because Nemec is also scared. As soon as this happens, he's like, "No one's ever pointed a gun at me before." He's shaken. He's shaken. It's like, "Oh, this is." And you and I called it. We're like, "This is how Nemec's going to die." Sinta freaking comes in, kills Pedagar immediately. Just not even doesn't even stutter. There's no confrontation. Just boom, he's dead. Which is like, okay, the first shock of the episode, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, wow, I'm stunned. Um, Did not see that coming. And. then uh, they take J-Hold away and they say, you're going to take us to the vault. And he says, he's he's protesting all over the place. He's like, I can't unlock the vault. I need a signal from the blah, blah, blah. Like, this plan is terrible. This plan is effed. You guys are never going to succeed. Um, and then there's a moment when, like, the crew kind of separates, which I think is probably the last time they see each other. Yeah. Um, or some of them. Some of them see each other. But um, anyway, they take J-Hold away. And they take the rest of the crew to, I guess, the bridge of the garrison is where they, I think it's they all, go, right? Like the command room. Yeah, the command room. The, the one that has all the comms to the, oh my god, I should have the name of the base on me. Uh, what What is the... Uh, uh, Kenzie, I think? Um, uh, I think it was it's like R. Kenzie? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, that, 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 that's... Al, Alken, Al Kenzie. Al, Al Kenzie, thank yeah, you. Al Kenzie, yep. Th- that's the place that has like, you know, the military support that has the TIE fighters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, and and then up there, and one thing I did like was um, 
they have they, this like they have the they brought S and M gear with them. Like they strap it to people's faces. It's like 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 like, like a, a set of matching like gags for yeah. the the. But also again, it's the kind of thing where it's like oh they're gags, but but they're not just putting like I don't know like rope around their mouths or like yeah. handkerchiefs. It's like oh no, these are uh, Star Wars gags. But they like again the heroes of the show uh, bind and gag. Innocent women and children, mm-hmm. it, like yeah, uh, Jay Hold's family. They they get gags put on them, and um, well, well, there is a moment when Jay Hold says, "You're just going to kill us anyway," and she says, and Vel says, "Because that's what you would do, right? You're projecting a little bit, Jay Hold. Maybe you should work this out with your therapist." Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, she she does make the claim very believably that hey. We we just want the money. We don't want to kill anyone. We're not like you, basically. Right. You know? Even though they did just kill a guy. <laughs> uh, I I mean, it, it was that situation. But they also do right away establish like, oh, we 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 will kill someone. We, we will kill someone. Yeah, that's which is very useful for them. If right? anything, maybe it was helpful that that happened because uh, right away everyone knows they mean business. But yeah, so Cinta and Vel they go up. They they take people to like just tie them up up in the command tower, yeah. and the rest of the group take Jay Hold down to like the basement. Yeah. And then Cinta stays and guards them while, and then Vel eventually joins them down there. Right? Yeah. After we do get a little moment with a uh, you know because it has been established that Vel and Cinta are an item. Yeah. And um and they're sort of like you know a little concerned, kind of saying goodbye to yeah, each she other. Says, she says, "Are you going to be okay?" Because. Again, I don't know what's going to happen to Cinta. It's It feels like Cinta is screwed. Like, I don't know what is going to happen to her because it's not like Cinta had a great escape plan. Maybe, it's possible that maybe in the original plan before everything went sideways that Cinta was going to join them on the ship, right? Like, I think that's possible. Right, yeah. yeah. But then everything went sideways, and so they had to change the plan. So uh anyway, they go down, and the, there's these guys, like, playing – cards um, or you know the the star wars equivalent of cards i'm sure there's someone out there who knows what game they were playing and i i have to point out at every single step of this whole thing uh the heist has played out with hyper competence and that's what you want to see it's like competence porn like it's it's just everyone's doing like the plan is good everyone's executing it at a really high level i'm like I'm loving watching it, right? Like the whole time. I'm like, maybe this thing's going to go off without a hitch. I know. Uh, and it's one of those things where it's also – it's shot with – very like it's shot in a very clean way where like it's – like the cameras are often handheld but they're not like too shaky where they're just like f- like follow yeah. – like, 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 like panning and everything and just like and, – and following everyone like very clinically doing yes. – like doing their part and you can always clearly tell what's going on and uh, it, it's like – I mean, it's an obvious reference point for like for a heist, but the way it's shot kind of reminds me of like Heat, mm-hmm. uh, like yes. how Michael Mann might do it, just yes. with this like this real skilled precision. Yes, yes, great, great comparison. Um, but I, I was particularly impressed when they go down. They basically pretend like uh, Jay Hold is there on an official on official duty, and they get everyone to line up, and then then they pull the... Like, they get everyone to line up so they make sure they don't have, like, weapons and everything. Then they pull the guns on them, they search them all, and... Uh, but then they make their fatal mistake, which is... And I, and I love that this comes into play, but... I didn't realize that their plan involved forcing the guards to actually carry the, the stuff. Um, and that, I think, was probably... You have to physically transport all that stuff out of there somehow... Um, but it feels I mean, like a, a huge weak point for the plan. You know? I did think about this, but I'm just like, how else would they do it? 
Yeah. Uh, like, there's so much stuff to carry. These are all, like, right. little, like, gold pieces in these kind of, like, cylinders. Yeah. Uh, they're heavy. Like, uh, this kind of feels like the most efficient. I mean, what really screws them is just that the guy in that, like, command tower ends up tapping into their, yeah. like, radio frequency. Because also, like, he's, like, he loses um, the Alkenzi signal uh, to them. And they like knock out the power uh, to everything, but then he picks up the like uh, he he catches their little radio wave and is like, "What's going on? Something? Uh, th- yeah, this seems strange. I feel like I'll, let's just go check out the basement." Yeah, and you get a sense that he has to travel like a long way to get down because obviously he's like at the top of the thing and they're at the bottom, and so yeah, they, they have to travel a long way to get. You down see them running down a lot of stairs. Yeah, um, but I, I I'm a I'm a big fan of heist movies that acknowledge. The weight of the cash that they need to carry. Like, yes. Uh, other examples of this would be, uh, The Way of the Gun or Widows, the Steve McQueen movie with Viola Davis. Like, Great movie. all these movies, like, acknowledge that carrying this, this much cash is hard. Uh, and they need to figure, like, that's actually, like, the biggest sort of risky point is, like, you're spending all this time moving this cash. Um, but yeah, there's a moment when <laughs> I will say it was a little bit of a, this is like, one of my favorite TV episodes of all time, and I just finished watching it. But I was a little bit, uh, like, I guess minorly disappointed that there wasn't more of a, um, a workaround they had to do. Cause the guy, the whole time, Jay Hold is insisting, there's no way you're going to get this thing open. I only know the code to the gate. I can't unlock the thing. And then they just like blow it up. And it's just, just like, oh, it's a little poop. And then the, the things like unravel themselves. It did basically. look cool when they unraveled that. It was so cool. It's so satisfying. The sound they make was so satisfying. Again, um, it, everything looks and sounds awesome. So good. But then I'm like, oh, that was it. That, that, that was the whole thing. I thought there was going to be like kind of a bigger thing they had to surmount or it was like a thing they didn't account for or something like that right um but so that was a little bit kind of like a a little build up that i thought didn't fully pay off but it looked cool and then of course right can i actually uh, mention one thing i think that i i started thinking about during this stretch of the episode it's interesting so this is a show called andor about cassie and andor uh he is one of only two characters who have like existed in star wars before this show and in this episode, he is very much just a supporting character. He does not feel like – I mean, even though he's the guy who pilots the ship out in the climax, he doesn't really feel like the the main character or the hero for most of this. He's mm-hmm. just a guy on on the team. Like, he gets basically equal screen – like – I mean, for a while, I was, I was like, man, is Taraman getting, like, more screen time than Andor? It, 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 it's interesting because, like, this Star Wars has always been this thing ever since the first movie, you know, with, like, Luke Skywalker on this classical hero's journey. It's about these, like, you know, chosen ones and, and, and all that stuff, the, these special people that save the galaxy on their own. And this is very much a show about a supporting character. About mm-hmm. just a guy, and even on his show, and this is in not a criticism at all. This is in you know many ways. I, I feel like this was a deliberate choice uh, by the Gilroys because Dan Gilroy wrote this episode, um, yeah. where he's just a member of the team. He's not the hero of the rebellion. Uh, and in this episode, and like, and the show, it is wild that considering the majority of the cast of this episode only showed up in episode four, and. He kind of like steps aside and let like like Vel and Nemec 
are really kind of like the stars of this episode. They You could like, imagine a universe where like they are the protagonists of, of this whole thing, you know? Right, exactly. Um, Cassie is just the guy so, who's with them. They're such well drawn characters. You know, I, I'm like super attached to all of them at this point. And, yeah. Uh anyway, Gorn's down there running everything. He has a nice confrontation with uh Jay Hold, who's like, You'll hang for this, and he's like, Well, that would be actually a good outcome based on everything that's happened over the After like of the last seven time. years seven, working for you. Seven years is working for you, you know, and it's like, ooh, rough. Around this time, we're also intercutting with the Donnies kind of doing a chant and uh, around this fire. And I'm I'm always I'm curious, like I was kind of curious, like, was that going to, are they going to play into the plot somehow? But mm-hmm. I, I don't think they do. I think, well, I mean, obviously the eye plays into the plot, but you just kind of, they're just mostly there for vibes, I think. Uh, and Good then you vibes. see the Alkenzi base, the Alkenzi base, like these people getting into the TIE fighters, like the tension is building, right? Okay. To, like, also, they need to get out of here. Yeah. And now the meteor shower, the eye is really ramping up. The sky is full of like these kind of like turquoise, like, you know, shooting stars. It's it's like like illuminating everything. And watching uh these like silhouetted in the foreground, like pilots climb down into TIE fighters while the background is illuminated by this like turquoise sky. It's one of the most beautiful things I've seen in a Star anything Star Wars. It's like it, it looks so good. And I think I also just love watching the like you know, I guess like the the mechanisms of like oh how all the Tie Fighters are like hooked up to this system. They're all like kind of like in yeah. in a set. They all like fly out together. It's a uh, it's incredible. It, it is like the the way things escalate is is so effective. I thought it looked really good, and you know they have obviously been building up to the eye for like three episodes, and you're like oh this better look spectacular. It did look spectacular. I liked how it looked. I think also they they used it very artfully in the sense that it was you you see a lot of you probably see just as much people reacting to the eye as you see of the eye itself, mm-hmm. and I think they're they're kind of being judicious with their CG. They're like, hey, we can't show like three minutes of the eye, so we're going to show like ten seconds of the eye and a ton of people reacting to it. And we do get um, one like early like when it's really like kicking in this a big wide yes, shot one, of that's all you need but that's it's kind of like and then of course you also see it in the background when they're kind of he's escaping the tie fighters like that's yeah. that's great as well um but uh but I, I thought basically it felt like they didn't have infinite budget to depict the eye and they chose their shots very carefully on how they did it and I thought they did a great job so that's yes. kind of what I wanted to say. A- and and but nothing ever felt like cheap it still felt yes huge totally. and uh Agreed. but but again it, it just like at no point did it ter- feel, feel like it turns into a cartoon where it's like oh and now we're just in like fully animated like cgi cartoon world it's yeah. uh it's usually like like the camera is like focusing on the people and this is like in the background uh so there is a firefight that breaks out back at the garrison uh because that uh, squad Karn, Karn, makes it down Karn 2.0 uh, is super, like, needs to figure out what's going wrong with the radio and all that stuff. He takes the squad down. Uh, what I loved was how they tried to kind of save it. Like, they, like, they didn't break character. You know, Gorn was like, hey, this is a training exercise. Like, get the F out of here. You're not authorized to be here. And then he says to J-Hold, J-Hold, tell, tell him to get out of here. And then J-Hold collapses. They, this is the thing. They shouldn't, they shouldn't have made J-Hold move the gold. Okay. That, that was their big mistake. He's clearly not out necessarily. Of yeah, he's he's out of shape, you know, and I felt I felt bad because he's like sweating profusely, and it's just like, guys, I don't know that you had to like J Hold could have just chilled there 
Uh, and then maybe he wouldn't have died at this critical moment during the heist. But anyway. it, it is also this is a Star Wars thing where we watched a man have a heart attack. Mm hmm. We've never seen that before. Have we? You you tell me, Patrick. You tell me. Uh, no, people people don't <laughs> tend to have like if people die in Star Wars, it's because they get shot with a blaster or stabbed mm-hmm. with a lightsaber. They don't have a real just a, a regular like medical thing happen mm-hmm. because their uh, their health is bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just like has a heart attack and and looks like he either passes out or dies. Yeah. Uh, and then our see- shootout happens. Right. Right. Correct. So then the, sh- the firefight ensues. Gorn is killed right away. And that's when I knew, like, I think he's probably the second person to die in this episode. And that's when I knew, like, oh, they're playing for keeps. Like, we've set up Gorn, like, pretty well. I'm, I'm like, I'm hoping Gorn makes out of it. He just had a nice little moment with J-Hold. I'm like, hopefully Gorn gets out of this alive. He's out, like, right away. Uh, and then Taraman and Skeen are kind of trapped. Uh, and then Andor has a kind of struggle with one of the officers, and Nemec comes in and kind of saves Andor's life. The Andor thing is also pretty suspenseful. The guy is choking him, like, yeah. on the floor. Yeah. Another yeah. thing we don't usually see – like, in Star Wars, if people get choked, they get force choked. Force choked, They don't yes. have – they don't get, like – if Anton people have a heart Shigar, attack, they get, like, they get, you know, force heart attacks. Um, exactly. They're not, yeah. <laughs> they're not laying on the floor while a yeah. person is has their arm wrapped around their neck. I think that was supposed to be like a big Nemec moment where he kills this guy. But I was more – like I was more focused on how did he make that shot than like that the character moment myself personally. But uh, still pretty cool that he kind of got Andor out of that situation. Yeah. But also uh, Taraben tries to t- tries to run and, and make it to the ship and does not make it. Yeah. So Taraben gets killed too. Skeen makes it and then they take off and Andor says hold on to something. But I don't think he really fully communicated – the gravity, so to speak, this of is that rough. command. <laughs> um, and so he takes out, and like literally everyone goes flying backwards, uh, including Nemec, who then is crushed by a pallet of the credits. Yeah. Um, which is brutal to see, and again, another surprise. And I was like, didn't, did not see that, co- like that would be how the character died, which is like basically kind of like, like an industrial accident kind of situation, right? And it's also, we don't, usually in Star Wars, like, things like shoot into, you know, like, hyperspace really quickly and stuff like that. And everyone's, like, fine. We we rarely see uh, the vehicles have, like, this kind of, like, physical force, like, where, like, yeah. physics are an issue. Like, oh, yeah. wow, they, they took off so fast that uh, people just, like, like got knocked back. Uh, yeah, and... So again, I'm, th- that was a surprise too. Of like, I didn't know that Nemec would die in that. Like, I thought Nemec was home free, and then yeah, all of a sudden it, he's killed last minute. It's, and it yeah. looks painful. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, he he uh, he gets hit. I mean, he doesn't die right here, but yeah. uh, but he gets they inject. They do like a Pulp Fiction like inject a thing into his heart to keep him alive, kind of deal. Yeah, it's like a, what is it, they call it like a med stick or yeah, something meds, like that. Med space or something, something med something med yeah. spike, med spike. Yeah, yes. Um, uh, yeah, but basically just to like kind of yeah revive him, like Batman in the climax of the Batman, because um, it's green. Uh, and it, because basically this okay, this section is so good. This section is so good. It's so now they're like they're in the air, they're flying. Tie fighters. I just, are... just want to say I love that there is like a brief little shot of the command center, and you see 
Jay Holt's family still alive mm-hmm. as they're flying off. And, and, and like, I, I love that it kind of puts you in their perspective and you're like wondering, like, what are they thinking at that moment? Yeah. Like, um, they're probably being like, oh, it's over. They don't know that Jay Holt's actually dead and, or probably, or in a bad state, probably. Right. right. Uh, and, like what what implications will these characters have in the remainder of the show i'm very curious who knows um so okay just wanted to point i love that little shot where they show the the family of j-hold important Um, yes but anyway go ahead uh and so then we really reach our climax where they're they're out uh there's only four of them on the ship um and they have to escape the eye they have to basically get somehow get through this meteor shower uh, to get out into space while TIE fighters are pursuing them. And and Cassian is going forward, but he's like, I don't have the calculations for how to get through this. Like, I can't. Because the idea I'm was that Nemec would, Nemec would do it. Like, right. W- w- and right, the whole and so then they so they stab Nemec with uh, – the med spike to just like revive him, giving give him energy to use his uh his old little like hipster navigational device that he showed off in the previous episode that will um that that can calculate how they get out, and and this is just this is just exciting stuff. It's like again what we are used to in similar scenarios in Star Wars is. Han Solo pounds on like the uh the dashboard uh and then and then it's like oop it's up and working and then they uh zoom into in, in into light speed and then they're away. Um this is a different thing where it doesn't quite work that way and they're like this guy who's at at least his like he's like paralyzed from the waist down and he's like barely alive trying yeah. to do these calculations on this old machine that will tell them like where to go and uh and basically and and, and like the calculations pretty much say like go just like <laughs> go climb. into the yeah climb yeah. yeah yeah like climb go straight up and uh and it's great. You're also out the window, like out the dashboard of this ship. It's just this 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 bright, like like amber meteor shower, and uh, and they they manage to go straight up, like barely dodging the meteors, while the the tie fighters explode spectacularly. And it's uh, it is suspenseful, and it's awesome, and it's like. Classic Star Wars, I would argue. You know, it's kind of like when you think of Star Wars, you think of scenes like this one, in my opinion. Yes. Right? This, again, this manages to be pretty much exactly what we think we want from Star Wars, but also done in a way where we don't exactly know what's going to happen and where it's it's just new enough that it feels really fresh. Yeah. I am real. My mind is reeling. Like the whole time, I'm like. <laughs> Oh my! Oh my gosh! The heist is so competently executed. Oh my gosh! Uh, Pedagar just died. Oh my gosh! Gorn just died. Oh my gosh! Tamron like I'm just like Nemec's dead. And then oh, but they're gonna take him to a doctor. Maybe he'll be okay. And like the episode had so many like twists and turns. I, my mind was being blown like left and right. I was just like, and then so uh, Skeen says, "Hey, we should go take him to a doctor." Uh, but Vel doesn't want to do it because it's a deviation from the plan. And of course. Uh, we find out what the purpose of that opening scene was with Nemec because Andor's like, no, we're going to take this guy to a doctor. So they go to the doctor who has huge Maz Kanata energy. From yes. What I can tell. He, he, uh, look, he looks like a similar race to Maz Kanata, but he's got four arms. He's got four arms. So yeah, that was, I was kind of like, hmm, he's also Maz way, and he's way taller than Maz Kanata. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
but he had kind of the similar like skull shape and color, and also like the same goggles, kind of as also so. d- just just an awesome alien. Like, yeah. and th- this this is the Star Wars stuff I love. Uh, okay, actually, th- this moment here because I feel like in every other Star Wars thing, when they say we got to take him to a doctor. And then it's like, oh, and the doctor is this character who who showed up uh, uh, on one episode of like a cartoon years ago, or like this is the exactly the kind of part where in most cases we have been trained to expect this to be some Easter egg, some familiar character. And I like that. No, it's not one of those. It's just a cool looking alien with four arms. It yeah. is not a reward for having paid attention to other Star Wars. Skeen and Andor are sitting outside the doctor's office, and they have a discussion where Skeen pitches to Andor, hey, I can't fly the ship, but I do know a place where we can hole up. It's 80 million credits. Let's split it, 40 million each. And the whole time, what was your experience watching this? Because the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, Skeen is testing Andor. That was my thing. Like, Like, Skeen and Vel had worked out a plan where Skeen's going to test Andor, and if Andor agrees, then, like, Skeen will kill Andor. That was kind of my assessment. I thought that at first, until he kept going, and mm-hmm. it really became yeah. clear that Skeen is just a scumbag. Like, mm-hmm. uh, when, you know, he, he reveals that he made up the story about his brother. Some of the most chilling words of the entire episode, when Andor says, what about your brother, the orchard? And he says, I have no brother. I'm, I'm just like, Holy crap, like this guy's a freaking if that's true, this guy's a freaking sociopath, you know, like chilly. Right. But but I again this is the kind of thing that I like about this where it's like uh you know, reconfiguring our our concept of like what the rebellion, what these rebels are. Uh you know, uh, in the show notes, you, you helpfully wrote down this line that the skein has, you were born in the hole and all we know is climbing over somebody else to get out, where it's like, yeah, like he, he hates the Empire, probably for other reasons, if he doesn't have a brother. Um, but also, at the end of the day, he's like, things that I, my life has been so tough that I care more about, like, living comfortably myself than, you know, than, than any greater cause. And uh, and then Cassian just shoots him. <laughs> that was a shot. Did you see that coming? I I did not see that coming at all. No, I I uh, he was I I, I mean I mean it. Uh, it does kind of remind me of like you know the very beginning of the first episode, just the thing of like oh uh Cassian real. I feel like it's being quicker and quicker about realizing like sometimes is easiest just to kill the guy right now uh, mm-hmm. rather than dragging this out or like waiting to yeah. see where it goes. And I will say <laughs> this is this is going to be yeah. such a silly comment because it's not really important at all. But I could not stop thinking about it. Um. So uh, in this scene, uh, Skeen, played by Eben Moss Backrack, the way he's lit and his his face. And the way he's sitting, uh, he looks almost exactly like one of the criminals in the opening of the 1989 Batman movie, where there's these two criminals sitting around, like these two like like muggers, and then Batman attacks them. Uh, and there is one guy that looks – he looks so similar, and, uh, and I could not stop thinking about it. I just All want right. to mention this here in case anyone else – 
watching this had this thought of like, hey, he kind of looks like that that guy from that one scene in Batman. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure anyway. we'll get tons of emails to decodingtv at gmail.com. Hey, uh, hey, this is what the internet that. is for. Throwing out these dumb random thoughts he had to hope that maybe someone somewhere in the world yes, had that same thought. Someone will be like, I feel seen. I feel seen. Exactly. exactly. I feel skeen. Okay, anyway. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to uh, leave this call right now leave and quit podcast? this podcast yes. forever. Yes. yes. Um, so, Andor Kilski, I think you you correctly assess that he is thinking to himself, this is now an unpredictable situation that I need to retake control over, right? Like, he's just like, need to get out of this situation. So, he kills Skeen. Uh, and I'm like, wow, if they really, if Vel and Skeen really were testing Andor, then the test has gone very badly. Um, but he holds up the doctor and Vel, and the doctor reveals that Nemec is dead, died on the operating table, which I did not, I did not, I also did not see coming, cause I'm like, if they took him to a doctor, maybe he's gonna survive somehow. Like, that was the purpose of that. Nope, he's dead. Um, and he has a confrontation with Vel where he says, hey, look, I'm gonna take my share. I'm gonna take the doctor's ship, right? Which I'm going to give you credits for. And I like it. He offers like 30,000 credits to the doctor's ship. Yeah. And he says, that's, that should be twice what it's worth. And the doctor says, excuse me. <laughs> like the doctor, he's getting held up with four arms and he's like, how dare you undervalue my ship? <laughs> um, and, uh, and he gives kind of the, the little necklace back to Val and says, like, give this to Luthen. Uh, we're done, which I also did not see. I, I didn't, I thought like the next step would be he kind of, the heist goes so well that he like joins Luthen's cause and they go off and have adventures and stuff like that. But he's like, nope, I'm out of here. I I'm, I got what I came for and I'm leaving and that's it, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the heist didn't go great. Uh, I mean, it it worked, but uh, it's not like he's he's probably not in the best mood. He's not feeling great about uh yeah. the, the the past day of his life. Um, I- yeah, I would bounce if I were him. I don't think you and I predicted literally everyone dies except Vel and maybe Sinta, but Sinta's not in a good situation either, right? So yeah, and I, um, I, I wonder if we'll see her again. Yeah, I, I think it's very possible. But anyway, I just was like, okay, that didn't call didn't call everyone dying except Vel. Some some at Andor's hands, you know, like some of them at Andor's hand. Uh, and that's kind of it. That's he's uh, that's all that's all we know. No, no, I know, I know. We got we got the chorus on stuff as well. No, Oh, yeah, what, what else? David, you're missing the most important part of the episode. What's the most important part of the episode, Patrick? Because then, uh, when, he, when he's saying to Val, like, hey, I'm going to take my share and get out of here, she goes, wait, take this. Here's Nemec's manifesto. He wanted you to have it. He's like, no thanks. She's like, no, no he insisted. Uh, this is manifesto that he's been talking about for the past few episodes, uh, and he's been talking about it to Cassian, and now his, like, dying wish for Cassian to take that with him. Because this manifesto is basically, I'm assuming, what is going to radicalize him. And, uh, I mean, granted, he's already heard a lot of Nemec's ideas and stuff like that, but I think him getting this little this little handwritten book is extremely important in terms of his overall arc. They did... Do a little insert shot of the handing over, which indicates how important it is because, you know, they didn't have to do an insert shot of that. But yeah. Um, so I'm assuming that the next, the next arc, the next three episodes are mostly going to be about Cassian chilling on some other planet, maybe on vacation, just reading the whole book. 
and then just just and then we'll just hear voiceover of just him like narrating the whole manifesto. Uh-huh. Um, it'll be the real, that'll be like their budget saving arc. Um, and then the following three, he'll come back and he'll be I like, see. "Never mind, guys, I'm on board. That was a really good book." Mm. The the next three episodes are going to be real thinkers, you think? And exactly, then the, uh, exactly. The fi- and then we're going to end with a big action, climactic action scene. Yeah, it's just going to be like a three-episode, like, poli-sci course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll see if that's right. We'll see if that's right. I mean, I, I bet that'll be, like, probably – it might go the way of, like, my uh, Darth Vader theory, um, but we'll see. I'm just I, – look, I'm, I'm, I'm betting big, and, and maybe this will pay out. We go to Coruscant – and news of the hit on the Aldani garrison has spread throughout the galaxy. It is perceived as a major rebel attack, as somebody at Luthen's place of business describes it. Uh, we get a scene with Mon Mothma. She is talking about the, uh, the Gormans in the, uh, in the episode. And earlier in one of our podcast episodes, we theorized, or not theorized, but I guess speculated based off of somebody's email that, uh, or comment that, uh, the Gorman massacre might play into uh, Mon Mothma becoming a you know rebel leader. Um, so another Gorman mention here, and Senator Dow is also mentioned in in Mon Mothma's speech. But then everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, did you hear about this?" I guess it was such a big deal. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if it would cause that. Re- like, I guess some of the officers died. Right? There's a big firefight, so like. Probably like half a dozen to a dozen Imperial officers died. Um, it was a big heist. It was a big, it was a big heist. I but, mean, but I, it's like, it's like if a bank robbery took place in Seattle, no, it would never happen. I get, but would it cause a, an official function to everyone be like, Oh my, did you hear about this bank robbery? I guess because a bunch of people died. And also technically it's like a rebel attack. It's not just like, it's not like the, it's not like the Donnies just randomly decide to sweep through and take them out. It's like, right. A, a political act the, is what the, has occurred, right? Yes. Uh, and also, like, they stole, like, imperial payroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, like it, it, was a, it was a strategic rebel attack that also stole a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you saw— Didn't they have, like, an FDIC equivalent in the uh, Star Wars universe? All, all the, you know, Robert De Niro and Heat's like, don't worry, we're not taking your money. All, the, all, all your money's insured by the government. Maybe. Know? Uh, it's possible. I mean, we, you know, we do check over and see like Dedra Miro as like everyone's rushing, uh, you know, out out to the meeting room. Uh, yes. So that so major, that- major part of gas says, I want every star sector and planetary emergency retaliation plan ready for presentation by midnight. And again, Patrick, I know I come off like an imperial sympathizer here, but been there, man, been there. <laughs> So Where it's like what the boss saying. is like something something has happened and the boss is like I need your plans by this time and it's gonna mess up whatever plans you had like tell your wife tell your children you're not gonna be coming home tonight you know like that's David uh, yes so are you saying that <laughs> Amazon is like the Empire I didn't I don't recall naming any company at all Patrick if I recall okay you know I don't I don't think I said the name of any company you so. you've worked at multiple companies in your life I've worked at so many companies so. Okay. I could be talking about I, literally I, any. I I would never want to put words in your mouth. Thank you. Thank you. I could be talking about literally anywhere. Literally anywhere. In the galaxy. Yeah. Uh anyway. So 
everyone's clearly taking it seriously and then we get a final shot with Luthen learning the news I guess he even though he was like listening at the radio like super intently he he went to cold turkey and went all the way to the other he's not even reading the New York Times anymore and then he finds out about it he's like it's all over the news I guess <laughs> he didn't even read the news that day to find out that his plan probably worked so and uh and then you know he just walks into his back room to have a good a good laugh mm-hmm. and uh and then and a thing that i was thinking about in the scene i i, I rewatched the scene right before we, we recorded um and was listening to nicholas bertel's score here and i'm like oh man like the score at the end of the episode and then going into like the end credits i'm like this is all like synths mm-hmm. when have we ever heard like synth electronic like scoring in star mm. wars mm-hmm. it's like it's and it, it's not even like it didn't even jump out at me like on my first watch uh but i'm just like it is it is wild how how many things this is uh how many different things this is doing than we're used to from star wars yeah what an episode what, what an, an episode. episode amazing amazing any other thoughts patrick willems uh i feel like we, we, we've we've thrown in a lot of thoughts um yeah. i'm trying to think were there any other moments or things like that that jumped out at me uh no i just genuinely want to know how like what they did for like, the location that of the garrison how how that was mm-hmm. shot built constructed what the sets were because it was so impressive Here's my question, Patrick Willems. Where's Karn, man? What's going on with Karn this episode? Karn hanging out with his mom? When are we going to get more Karn? That's what I want to know. When does Uncle Harlow show up? Yes, yes. Uh, Presumably we'll find out about that later. But anyway, so great. We have no idea what's coming in the next arc. So grateful for this show. So grateful for this podcast where I, David Chen, can speak with Patrick H. Willems about uh, and or streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. Thank you so much for listening. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at decodingtv. Until next week, Patrick Willems, thanks for chatting with me today, man. Really appreciate it. David, such a pleasure, as always. What a good episode. What a good episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 